0: What's going on everybody? Thank you so much for being here with me for this Thursday edition of Fantasy MLB today. My name is Joe Orico and I am your host. You guys can find me over on Twitter as always at Joe Orico99. I post out these shows there Monday through Friday. I do threads every single night and I also post my articles, which come out Sunday afternoon. They're also out on sportsethos.com, but I share them over on Twitter just to make it a little bit easier to find. So Go ahead, check me out over there. If you haven't already done so, rate, review the show. We'd really appreciate you guys doing all those good things. Today, we're going to be doing some pretty standard stuff. If you guys listen regularly, we're going to look back on some of yesterday's top performers. We'll look ahead to a couple of matchups today. It's a pretty thin day overall for pitching matchups. I think there's only nine games total, so there's not much, but we've got a couple going to be keeping an eye on here. And then, of course, we'll do our usual breakdown of the waiver wire for those of you who, like myself, tend to play in mostly daily changes leagues. Before we do that, though, I want to remind you guys once again that Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, August the 2nd, from 3 to 7 p.m. Eastern Time, I'm going to be live on the SportsEthos.com YouTube channel. The links are shared all over Twitter, so you can find it if you look up my name or Sports Ethos. It's going to be a great time with a ton of guests. We have, I think, 13 guests as of right now with a couple of people who are going to see if they can be squeezed on, depending on what else they got going on that day. It's going to be a ton of fun throughout the day or throughout the afternoon, And we're going to go right through the trade deadline, which I believe, if memory serves, is at 6 p.m. So we're going to be talking about some of the trades that have happened leading up to that point, including there was one that happened last night, which we'll talk about uh, briefly here today. But we'll hopefully have a bunch of stuff to go over that day. I'm going to prepare some questions just in case we don't have uh, much action. But I'm hoping that we see Juan Soto get moved. And, you know, there's some guys on the Red Sox we've talked about. Maybe Xander Bogarts gets moved. The Tigers have pretty much said that the whole team is up for sale. The Marlins, essentially the same thing. Uh, I think that there's a potential to be a lot of moves made here uh, over the next few days. Hopefully they save it for when we're live on the show. But I really want you guys to come check that out. Go follow or go subscribe to Sports Ethos on YouTube. It should be a lot of fun. So, as promised, we're going to be looking back on some of yesterday's top performers. We'll touch on Ben uh, Benintendi trade a little bit later on. The first big performer, or the top best performer from yesterday, I would say, is probably rowdy Telez. now i suppose you could make the argument that bobby dahlbeck had an equally solid game but he also had two home runs but we'll start here with rowdy so rowdy had two home runs he scored twice he knocked in six and he also drew a walk for the life of me i said this yesterday on twitter i can't understand why rowdy tellez is so disrespected in the community he's 55 percent rostered in yahoo leagues that's like way too low He's 124th ranked player for the season. He has 20 home runs and 64 RBIs. I don't know why he's available in so many leagues. If he's still sitting on your waiver wire, I would absolutely go and do it. Yes, he's a three-category player, but there are definitely players on your team who produce similar or lesser value from the same position. So those 20 home runs, 64 RBIs, those are among the league leaders for first baseman. I don't think that there's any league where Rowdy should be available. A 10-team league, and up, Maybe if you're talking an eight-team league, then there's not going to be room for him. But I really think that if you're talking anywhere above 10 teams, uh, that there can be a spot for Rowdy. Bobby Dalbeck, on the other hand, he did have two home runs yesterday. I'm just not as sold with what he can do. Now, uh, maybe I'm selling him a little bit short here. I'm just not a big fan of his overall. I know that he's eligible first and third, which is very nice, sure. And he does have 10 home runs, but he doesn't do you any good in the batting average category. He's usually bottom of the order. If he's going to play, he's not an every single day kind of player. I'm not big on Bobby Dahlbeck. I wouldn't be going out there and and using a move on him. Very nice game, two home runs, but I don't think it's really – I don't think there's really too much you can do here for your fantasy teams with Bobby Dahlbeck. Another guy you can't do too much for for your fantasy teams. I just thought that this was fantastic. Even though I'm a Jays fan and he heard us yesterday, Albert Pujols had himself a serious game. He went three for four. He was a triple shy of the cycle, and he drove in three runs. It's probably the last game he's ever going to play in Toronto, which is sad for me. I grew up absolutely adoring Albert Pujols and the Blue Jays, so it's a bit of a mixed emotion there. But uh, just, just fantastic to see him still able to produce a little bit. I know he's obviously not a great player anymore. He's 42 years old. But he's still, you know, he hit a ball to center field last night. I'm not sure the exact distance mm-hmm. on it, but we're talking like probably 420-ish feet. Like The guy, the guy still has power. And it was really good to see him sent off. Uh, and the Jays fans did such a great job. You know, he shows up to the plate in the first inning both nights. I think it was the first inning both times, uh, for sure on Tuesday. And I'm, I'm not sure about Wednesday. I missed the first. I saw it on the replay. I'm not sure if it was the first inning or not. But they give him these massive standing ovations. Everybody, everybody stands up for him. And then when he tips his cap back to the crowd, they just they just go crazy. I'm glad that. Toronto fans, and I think fans across baseball in general, realize how special Pujols is in what he's done for the game. Over the last 20 years, you could argue he is the best player who has been in the league, so it's really great that they're sending him off this way. I wish that they had done some more of like a, a Jeter-esque you know farewell tour for him. Maybe he didn't want that, and I understand some people wouldn't want all that attention, but I think that they should have maybe done something a little more. I mean, they put him in the All-Star game in the Home Run Derby, which was kind of nice. Just I don't know. I feel like He's like an inner circle Hall of Famer. Pujols and Miguel Cabrera, these guys are going to be like, you know, not just, you know, they get in on the eighth ballot and, you know, 76% of the vote. Like these guys are going in on the first try with upwards of 90, 95% of the vote. They're seriously in the elite category of Hall of Famers. And I thought that they'd do something a little more than just put him in the All Star game. I guess what are you really going to do at the end of the day, other than other than just give them gifts and stuff, which I, some people like. I, I personally like that kind of thing, especially with such a, such a great player. So won't spend too much time on Albert. He's not much of a fantasy asset. Let me just check for, for shits and giggles how many leagues actually have him rostered. It's probably some of them. Uh, it's probably not too many, but uh, 2% of Yahoo leagues roster Albert Pujols. Well, so the 2% from yesterday, you guys got a nice little game. So congratulations there. Let's talk about his starting pitcher from yesterday, Adam Wainwright. He went seven innings, struck out eight, gave up one earned run on five hits against Toronto. No walks, which is very nice considering the last two games he's combined to walk seven batters over ten and two-thirds. This was a really, really good start for Adam Wainwright. I watched a lot of it. He had the Jays in control for most of the night. He's down to a three two eight ERA and a 1.21 whip. I, I was saying going into the year that I expected Adam Wainwright to retire at the end of this season, you know, one last year, and you get to run it back with Pujols and with your buddy uh, Yadier Molina. But I'm starting to think that maybe he will just play another season. I don't know. Like, this has been three straight years of really solid pitching. I'm, I'm including the, uh, the pandemic-shortened season in there. But, oh, like, the ERAs in those seasons, 315, 305, 328. Uh, maybe he goes for one more season. I wasn't expecting it at all coming in, but I think that the chances of that are are growing, especially if St. Louis is able to field, you know, we know St. Louis fields competitive teams. If they're able to go out there and really compete, maybe they just fall a little bit short, you know, they go out in the CS or whatever the case may be. I think that we will possibly see Adam Wayne right back. I haven't heard him say anything definitively like that he's going to retire, and uh, before I – I'm going to take a look at this here before I look like, I'm, look like an ass. Uh, he said, hence it's his final year, but he's still executing. So, yes, absolutely he is still executing. Uh, I don't know, honestly. I'm hoping that we see one more year of Adam Wainwright anyway. Uh, some people online, there's been opinion pieces written. Some say he's going to retire. Some people say he's, he's still killing it, so he's going to keep going. Hard to say. I'm hoping that we see one more year, though, especially if he keeps pitching like this. Corbin Burns had himself a pretty good start. He gave up three earned runs, which is the most he'd given up in a month. But still, I mean, he struck out 11, he gave up five hits, got the victory. I, I, with Corbin Burns, I find myself always looking at his performance and just being like, is there anything to really criticize here? Is there something I can say, this, this was not good enough or whatever? Most of the time you find yourself and it's like, eh, no. I mean, last time out against Colorado, he only struck out five. He walked two. You can kind of criticize a little bit there. But for the most part, uh, there's really nothing to worry about with Corbin Burns here. I still think that he will win the Cy Young in the National League. I think that it's going to fall off for the Alcantara down the stretch. He needs deep games. He needs to go seven or eight innings into games to be able to have that kind of, not even fantasy value, just regular value, build up those strikeouts. The win number's not going to really be there because he's with the Marlins. I still think Corbin Burns is going to repeat as Cy Young. I've been back and forth on that one a little bit, and I think throughout the year I've had four different choices. It was Pablo Lopez, and then Alcantara, and Rodon, and I believe Corbin Burns are the four of them. It's hard because things are always changing, and you're never really sure what's going to happen the next start. And you know, One really bad start from any of these guys is enough to really – hurt their case. Let's just say hypothetically Alcantara goes out there and gives up eight earned runs next time. It's extremely unlikely, but it's possible. That would probably make Corbin Burns the betting favorite in the, in the National League. Tony Gonsolin is pretty much top, neck and neck with him there, 2.26, 2.31, respectively, if Alcantara has a bad start, then it, you know the, the odds on favorite will probably go to Corbin Burns. So uh, I would, if you're you know into betting and you're trying to hedge your Alcantara bets, I think Corbin Burns is a really solid uh, way to go there. Let's keep it going here with Luis Castillo, who I think this was likely his last start as a Cincinnati Red. He threw seven innings, gave up six hits, three earned runs, one walk, and also struck out eight. Only on 92 pitches as well through seven innings, so pretty efficient work for him there. I like Luis Castillo. I'm just worried that he's going to go to the Yankees and he's going to have that short porch in right field and it's really going to hurt his value. That really applies to any pitchers who get traded to the Yankees. Even, I mean, Pablo Lopez is another one that I mentioned that yesterday. I think it was yesterday the day before we talked about that exact same worry. It'd be the same with any pitcher going to the Yankees because A, their ballpark, and B, their division. So that's the team that he's been linked to the most. I'd be a little bit nervous if he does go there, but he's down to a 2.86 ERA for the season, 1.07 whip. Uh, I really like Luis Castillo. I just think that I'm, I'm a little bit nervous. But at the end of the day, I mean, he's already in Great American Ballpark, so it can only really improve, assuming he doesn't go to the Rockies, which, of course, is not going to happen. I, I'm still fine with him. I'm just, like I said, uh, I'm cautiously awaiting that tweet from Jeff Passan or Nightingale or whoever that says, Castillo is on the Yankees, and it's like, am I really, is this really better? Like, yes, better team, but worse division for a pitcher and. You know, not quite as bad of a ballpark. I'm just not really sure how I'm going to feel about this. We'll see on, depending on destination, we'll see how I feel there. Cole Irvin is the next guy we'll talk about. I love Cole Irvin, man. Recently, he's been really good. And yesterday, I was an advocate for sitting him down. I think my exact words were at him and bench him. Because overall, he's been really solid this season, and specifically his last few times out. And if you want to include what he did yesterday, 34 over his last 34 innings pitched, a 1.85 ERA, 22 strikeouts, and three walks, which is not the most exciting thing in the world, absolutely. He doesn't strike out too many batters. That's something that's going to piss you off. The strikeouts per nine is 6.09. It's not great, but he's got a 3.05 ERA, a 1.04 whip, and you know there's a decent chance he gets traded at the deadline. I think there's a decent chance that literally everybody on Oakland gets traded at the deadline. Cole Irvin is 28 years old. I don't know that he's going to be a part of their future necessarily, uh, I would not be surprised whatsoever to see him get shipped off somewhere at the deadline. And now the same questions kind of apply there on a reverse spectrum. Uh, Castillo's in a shit ballpark. Urban's in actually a very good home ballpark. So wherever he goes, will that be a worse ballpark? Almost certainly will be worse than the Coliseum. But he'll also be on a team that is more competent offensively and able to give him likely more victories. So he's been very good recently. You, you combine that with the fact that I think a trade is... Maybe not likely, but certainly within the realm of possibility, I'd be, adding, uh, I'd be adding Cole Urban wherever you can, which is still a lot of leagues. He's still available in, in most cases. Uh, Marco Gonzalez, he had a pretty good start yesterday. He threw seven innings. Actually, he had a very good start. We'll, we'll, we'll give him credit where credit's due. Seven innings, four hits, two earned runs, one walk, and five strikeouts. My problem with Marco Gonzalez is he has the worst FIP in baseball, It was 5.27 coming into yesterday, and his strikeouts 4.67 per nine. He has 60 strikeouts in 113 innings. That's terrible. The ERA, you see from the FIP that he's been lucky there. The whip is okay, 1.35. It's not good. It's closer to bad than good. Uh, For what he gives you, you'll take it, I guess. But I'm really not in on Marco Gonzalez. If you have him and you want to try and sell high, I would try and do that, No, probably not going to be able to do so because the previous couple of starts before this were not good. But if you can get anything back from Marco Gonzalez, like pretty much literally anything, I'd be taking it because he is really due to fall off a cliff any day now. John Gray, his counterpart, really got unlucky, and he should not have been sent back out for the seventh inning. I think it was an absolutely ridiculous move. He'd already walked three batters in the game. He was already, you, you thought he was done. You really thought he was done here. He went back out. He gave up a three-run bomb. He threw six in the third, gave it five hits, four earned runs. He walked four and struck out eight. That sucks. That's, oh, okay, maybe sucks is a little bit too strong. The four walks, those suck. The four earned runs, they definitely suck. The 8Ks, yes, you'll take it. But when you look at the advanced numbers from yesterday with John Gray, so his fastball got up to 99.1 miles an hour. 99.1. He's usually averaging 95.8 for the season. He had a 36% CSW, called strikes plus whiffs. That's excellent. The average exit velocity off the bat for his pitches yesterday when players made contact, 77.1 miles an hour, which is incredibly low. Those numbers are all really, really good. He's thrived away from Coors overall in his first season here. Uh, I should say here, in Texas, his first season in Texas. It's been great. He's not really available anymore. For the most part, he has been scooped up. But you might see one or two ignorant people drop him after yesterday thinking that there's uh, he's you know he's back to being bad or whatever. Let's, let's see. John Gray, he's still 77% rostered in Yahoo Leagues. I would be going and trying to add him if you can. I'm curious, though, about people who may or may not have dropped him from yesterday because I'm sure that there are at least a few. And I'm going to go and check that out because – I'm willing to guess, like, I don't know, 150 people maybe dropped Oh, my God. 483 teams dropped John Gray after yesterday. You, you see, I just don't get that. That makes no sense. It, that that right there is a, just a lack of understanding of, well, first of all, that's someone who didn't watch the game and someone who just looked at the box score, or people, almost 500 of them, who just looked at what he did and it's like, oh, his ERA yesterday was 5.68. The whip was 1.42, and that's why you really need to dig into the advanced numbers. My first couple years playing fantasy sports, I didn't do that whatsoever. I would look at the Yahoo and the ESPN player pages, see who was trending what way, and for the most part, just base it on the previous few games. You can't do that. You really need to dig deep into the numbers. And when you dig in with John Gray from yesterday in specific, that is a really good example of someone who is going to be available in leagues now when he really shouldn't be because of some you know some poor managing of her calling the spade a spade. So if he was if you are in one of those leagues, if you are one of the lucky four hundred and eighty-three people, it'll probably be more by the time you guys hear this, go ahead and pick him up right now because he has been fantastic, especially recently. There's no need to worry about John Gray whatsoever. Like no need at all. Go ahead and add him. Tariq Skubel had another pretty good start yesterday. Six innings, two earned runs, three walks, two strikeouts, and three hits. Now, there was some bad with the good. Overall, that was a pretty good outing. 19% CSW, only two strikeouts, obviously not ideal. And he was also down one point or one, two, three mile per hour uh, per pitch. I phrased that really stupidly. Between one and three miles per hour, he was down on every pitch, on all of his pitches, I should say. Jesus, listen, I can't get the words out properly. All of his pitches were down in speed from yesterday. Not every single pitch that he threw, but all his entire arsenal of pitches. There, we finally got it out. A .7-mile-per-hour drop on his fastball, which is not the end of the world, but he had almost a 3-mile-per-hour drop on his slider. So when you look at that as a whole, maybe there's some kind of injury going on in there. I don't know. Maybe it'll stop him from being traded at the deadline. I do think that there's a decent chance we do see him get traded. Um, I think w- well, what we've heard from the Tigers recently is that they're pretty much ready to get rid of everybody. They're pretty much sick of the entire roster. I don't know what they're going to do exactly. I saw some funny memes yesterday, like you know we're going to dig up Ty Cobb and send him away for prospects and sell Comerica. and all. Uh, saw some really funny stuff online yesterday. I I don't know. At the end of the day, I think they're probably going to trade him because they're the Tigers and. You know, they're poorly run. They're they're a poorly run team. In all reality, they probably should keep Tariq Skubal. But I think that they are just really tired of these last, I don't know, how many years of mediocrity now? Seven, eight years of really, really middling-level uh, teams here. So are they going to be sick of that and do something? Yeah. I mean, I think they have to know that that's going to make the team worse for the next couple of seasons, maybe try and build more around Green and Torkelson. They just re-signed Javi Baez. That's not a great contract. That's certainly not looking like a great contract right now. Uh, I, I think they're going to clear house. I really think they'll, they'll clear house. They'll get rid of Soto. They'll get rid of, well, Miguel Cabrera probably not because I think that the fans would be really upset about that. But there are a lot of players on this roster who are not young guys who are not going to be there for the next iteration of this team. I mean, even Javi Baez is 29 years old, right? He's not young, uh I doubt that he'll get traded because no one's going to want him. But you have guys like Jonathan Scope and Jemmer Candelario and Robbie Grossman. I think that those guys will likely be shipped off to contenders at the deadline to just bolster their depth a little bit in the lineup. Not that it'll do so much, but just extra little pieces here and there. Tariq Skubal is their most valuable trade ship at the moment. That's why I think that he'd probably get traded. Uh, Most valuable trade ship who will have any chance of being moved. Like Riley Green is not getting moved. Torkelson is not getting moved. Uh, I think of the guys that will get moved or have a chance of being traded, uh, Tariq Skubal would fetch the largest return. So I think that they'll be happy to move on from him, assuming they can get what they want back. Let's move on now to the waiver wire portion of the show. We'll just go over some of the more added and drop players today across fantasy baseball. Number one is Cutter Crawford. He's been added ahead of his start tonight against Cleveland. He's been pretty good recently, and he has very good stuff. I know last time out against Toronto was not great. It was okay. Like His last two starts have been okay, but his stuff has been really good in these outings. I'd be totally fine to add him against Cleveland here. I think that that should be fine. Alex Wood is next up, and he has been my guy this season. If you look at the last month, over his last 26 and the third innings, he has a 2.05 ERA. That is more of what I was expecting from him uh, this whole season, really. He's got a 4.21 ERA, but as I've talked about at ad, ad nauseum, Wood and Alex Cobb have just been really unlucky this season. So I'm still adding them wherever they are available. Wood is up to 61% rostered here, and Alex Cobb, as an aside, is 35%. These guys need to be added if they are still available. Wood ahead of his start against the Cubs tonight, absolutely, no question. Jose Miranda, this guy went, ba- went bomb. He went yard again yesterday, third straight game where he had three hits. And over the last month, he's ranked inside the top 35. Over the last two weeks, he's batting 423. And just even more fun, over the last week, he's 10 for 16 for a 625 batting average. First and third eligibility. It's not the greatest combo there. Usually those positions are typically filled out. If you are in one of those leagues where you have corner infielder slots and a lot of utility slots obviously he's going to be more valuable there if you just have one third base one cat or one third base one first base and one utility slot he's probably going to be hard to roster in standard size leagues like I think he's a must go in 15s and then in 12s I think depending on your your settings he can be valuable there if you're talking a standard 12 team league I do don't know that he's going to do enough to maintain that kind of value this season but right now he's batting 281 with 37 RBIs nine home runs and 21 runs so there is some chance that he's able to finish off the year and maintain some kind of value here in 12 team leagues I'm thinking he's probably going to be more of a go in 15s though next up we have Yusei Kikuchi I am not falling for it again I've fallen forward enough times this season. The neck injury that sent him to the IL, or they claimed it was a neck injury, I think that there's a good chance that they just sent him to the IL because of how bad he was doing. I'm just not interested here. Uh, I want him to go out and prove it a few times before I'm going to be making ads again. I've I've been made to look like an ass with Yusei Kikuchi this season a couple of different occasions. Uh, he, looking, he was looking strong as a bull there for like three I don't know, three or four starts earlier in the season. And then I opened my big mouth and I was like, this is this year's Robbie Ray. He's winning the Cy Young. Another lefty we brought in who was okay where we took him from. And now he's going to be a stud. And oh my God, I feel so stupid about that one. You say is just not that dude. Uh, I know that he's, at times looked very good, but we cannot be fooled, and we cannot be baited into it because he's starting against the tigers uh, I, I It doesn't even matter to me if he goes out there and does pretty well tonight. He's just so inconsistent. he doesn't do much for you in any really any category. His strikeouts are pretty good, but that's does not justify what he has done in the other categories. He's been like a hunter green type if you look at his stats this season with less strikeouts, like that's really what he's given you. Uh, I'm not interested, not in the slightest bit interested tonight in Yusei Kikuchi. The next guy, though, I am a little bit interested in, and that's Alec Bohm, because he has been really solid over the last month in 69 at bats. It's not a large sample size, but it's not a small sample size. He's batting 420. He's got a couple of home runs, he's driven in 13 in that time frame. Now, he doesn't give you a lot of counting stats, really. The RBIs are pretty okay, the runs are solid at 47. Only six home runs, 39 RBIs, one steal, and a 293 batting average. I still think he can have some back end 12 teamer value down the stretch, especially if Bryce Harper comes back. That'll just boost his value in that lineup there. Right now, he's currently batting in anywhere between five and seven, but I think that there's a decent chance you might see him move into the top four as the year goes on. That's just complete speculation, but he's been fantastic recently. I would be adding, even just in a short-term uh, situation, I know I've talked about this before, but if you guys have a streaming spot in your lineup where you just rotate the hottest player in baseball, he's not the hottest player in baseball. That would probably right now, for me, go to Jose Miranda in terms of widely available players that you can just grab. Miranda is probably that guy, but in leagues where you can't grab him and you're just looking for a bit of a short-term boost, Alec Boehm can do that and even have some longer-term potential as well. Stephen Kwan, he's still being added. He had another base hit yesterday. I like him in fives. I talked about this before. Uh, Five outfielder formats, OBP leagues. I think that's where he can have a lot of his value. Uh, Don't need to spend too much time on him there. Brady Singer is the next guy we'll talk about. He's coming off of a 12-strikeout performance against Tampa. Now, I'm a little bit nervous tonight because he's at Yankee Stadium. So I'm probably not going to be starting him depending on your categorical need or how many points you need going the rest of the week. In a points league, usually I'm starting everybody in a points league. Pretty much there's the odd, bad, you know, matchup where you might sit a guy down, but I'd start him here in points and uh, in category leagues. If you need some strikeouts and you're not really worried about ERA, then I wouldn't be so opposed to starting Brady Singer. Let's talk about some drops. Tyler Wells has been dropped in a lot of leagues. Uh, We're looking at more than 4,000, not a crazy number, but big enough. Uh, He's got a side injury, which has landed him on the 15 day IL. Absolutely. He's a drop. He was doing pretty well there for a while, but he's not someone that you would going to hold on through uh, an injury, so absolutely get rid of him there. This one hurts. This one really hurts. It's David Peterson. He's been dropped a lot. This bullshit way that they're using him in these one-inning stupid relief rolls, I don't like it. I don't get it. It's looking like he's maybe going to be a drop, and I say maybe because it just takes one injury or one DeGrom setback for him to you know get back into that rotation regularly. We'll talk about one more drop, and then we'll move on to the matchups of the day. This one is a sad one. It's really unfortunate. You hate to see it happen, but Max Meyer is headed under the knife for Tommy John surgery. Really shit news. He's an obvious drop there uh, in redraft. Based on the timeline that they're giving him right now, he may not be uh, back until 2024, this late season timeline. It's not good. Maybe he comes back at the end of next season. Uh, it's whatever it is, though. This is definitely going to drop him in dynasty rankings, in prospect rankings. It's, it's ugly stuff. Absolutely, though, you have to drop him there. No questions asked. Let's take a look at a couple of matchups. And like I said, uh, not much going on here in terms of matchups today. There's a couple of games that have already started. For what's going on later tonight, I think it would be Logan Gilbert and Jose Urquidy if I really had to choose one. Not great. It's fine. Uh, Logan Gilbert's obviously been really good. Jose Urquidy has greatly overperformed, what he is actually able to do, I think. Uh, there's really not much to choose from here. Uh, you have Otani also going later on tonight. Uh, Tristan McKenzie and Zach Wheeler are pitching later on. That's the, this is a very, very thin day for baseball. We're looking at, a I believe, a 10-game slate. Let's see. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 games today. Not much stuff going on. And I said I would talk about Andrew Benintendi earlier. There's not really too much to say other than they've expected that he'll be vaccinated now going to the Yankees. I I don't think this is really a a game-changing move for Benintendi. Uh, Assuming he plays every day, which he probably will play most days, Uh, it might add a few more home runs playing in Yankee Stadium there. I don't think it's really an earth-shattering move. It's kind of interesting that the Royals didn't push enough because they knew that they weren't going to be good this year. They didn't really care about the vaccination status. I think the Yankees told Benintendi or the Royals, like, if you guys want to get this deal done, then he's getting the jab. And he's going to be able to go to Toronto, assuming we have a playoff series there. But that's definitely what happened here. That's From what I'm reading online, that's what will happen or has already happened. So, And they're actually playing each other tonight, uh, 7 p.m. Eastern. So he's just going to have to walk across the hallway switch jerseys, and I'm not sure, I doubt they've announced the starting lineup at this point, but um, assuming that he'll be in the starting lineup here, should be interesting to see how that happens, see how that unfolds, I should say, and also how the rest of the stuff unfolds in the next few days leading up to the trade deadline show. Tuesday, 3 to 7 Eastern Time, hit the bell over on YouTube at Sports Ethos, and you guys will not miss it, pretty simply. You don't want to be missing this because there's just going to be so many great people involved in the show. Four different panels, each lasting an hour. One at three, one at four, one at five, one at six. Should lead us right through the deadline. We'll talk about all the stuff that happens that day. Go follow me over on Twitter, at JoeOrico99. That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O 99. You never miss any of my fantasy baseball content. And of course, you'll put a smile on my face. So guys, until tomorrow, cheers. Take care.